0: if you would turn to me to Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, we're going to read the first couple verses in that, cha- in that chapter. So Ezekiel 34, uh, Dave, I didn't give you these, it's one through two, we're going to start there. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, Ezekiel 34, verses one and two, let me find it and we'll go. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves, should not shepherds take care of the flock. Okay, we'll start there. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you uh, for this passage. Uh, Thank you for what we can learn about you throughout Ezekiel 34. Uh, May you be the teacher as we study this today. In your name, amen. I stop there because there's a lot of things that we need to know about this, you know, woe to the shepherds. First of all, how many of you have ever thought of shepherds? Right? Just 1, 2. Shepherds is not something that we're quite familiar with in our culture. Ever since the pastures of like fencing came around, we really haven't had a need for shepherds. We have fences and cowboys and things like that. So we're not really familiar in our culture of what shepherds do. Yes, we might sing about them come Christmas time, about how the angels appeared to them and they were afraid and they were the first witnesses to Jesus. But shepherding is something that kind of goes unheard of in our culture. Shepherding is one of the most ancient careers that you'll ever find. Abel in Genesis 4 was a shepherd. Later, as you continue in scripture, Abraham was a shepherd. Lot, his nephew, took his flocks to go live by Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. In fact, when he went to to marry his wife, Laban said, shepherd my flocks. His father-in-law was a shepherd. He became a shepherd. And so you have this on and on. Moses, one of the most famous people in the scriptures, was a shepherd for 40 years before he ever did anything to lead people across the desert. He was a shepherd. Some of the prophets that we study, Amos, was a shepherd. He was a shepherd and he was also a sycamore fig farmer. During, I guess he moonlighted in the off season or something But he was that too Shepherding in scripture goes all the way back to the beginning And it becomes this theme throughout all of the Bible Of care David was one of the most famous shepherds If you remember the story of his life When Samuel comes to knock on the door And say we need a king to his dad Jesse He goes through all of the sons And he says is there anybody left And his dad goes oh yeah there's David He's out shepherding the flocks later when david after he was anointed king went to fight goliath saul said no no no, no. you're too you're too small and then david says this in a in, to to uh to saul afterwards and in first samuel 17 he's making his case in verse 34 to 36 he's making his case on why he should be able to fight saul and he says look uh, David said to Saul, "Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and bear came to take them from the take a lamb from a flock. I went after them, I attacked them and rescued it from his mouth and he rose up against me and I seized him by his beard and struck and killed him. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of God. I had to get that last phrase in there because it's a good like this. Jerk is nothing compared to a lion. Uh, Shepherding was something that was constant in Scripture, and shepherding carries with it this idea of care. It's this idea of direction, guiding, providing. And so David, being the ultimate shepherd, pens the most famous psalm that we all know in Psalm 23, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. David, the warrior, says, God is my shepherd and I am the sheep. And because of this, shepherding became synonymous with comfort and care. And the most self-aware individuals, no matter if they were kings, all admit that we all need some shepherding in our lives. David said this, that the Lord is his shepherd, ergo, anytime you can work the word ergo in something you do, ergo, He's the sheep. If he's, the Lord is the shepherd, someone has to be the sheep in the relationship. Isaiah talks about sheep. He says, we are all sheep, all of us. We're all sheep. We've all gone our own way. Therefore, we need a shepherd. We need a guide. We need someone to get us through this life. Someone who can show us the way. Someone who can give us wisdom. Someone who can direct, comfort, and protect us. Whether we know it or not, we need it in our lives. Yet for some, admitting that we need a shepherd is a difficult task. And so if you're like me and you read Psalm 23 and you think, well, I'm not a shepherd. I don't want to be a sheep. Why couldn't David say, the Lord is the lion tamer and I am the lion? That sounds a lot better than being a sheep. Uh, Being a sheep means admitting some things. Think about a sheep. They're not the smartest of animals. They don't have fangs. They're defenseless. They get lost a lot. You know that if a sheep rolls over on its back, it'll die eventually because it can't tip itself back over, especially if it gets too much stuff in its wool. Sheep are defenseless. You can run up behind them. A friend of mine did this. You can run up behind them and clap your hands at them, and they'll faint because of the loss of blood to their head. Sometimes they'll have a heart attack and die. These are sheep. And so if you think, I'm a sheep, you're aligning yourself with something that's not really that great. But David says it. We're sheep. We need a shepherd. And when you're aware and you think about it, when you're honest with yourself, when I'm honest with myself, I agree. We don't have control. We're defenseless. We scare easy. And speaking for myself, I'm dumb a lot of times. It... it, 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 it if, if David, who was a king, a decorated warrior, was okay being a sheep, then I guess I should be okay with it too. And maybe you should be okay with it as well. In our text today, Ezekiel, and in Ezekiel 34, he's turning the corner in the whole book. The last few weeks have been all about turn or burn, essentially, with Ezekiel. Repent, come back, turn from your ways. And he's shown all the ways that, he, that the people of Israel have gone astray. In Ezekiel 33, he begins to turn the corner. If you look in every prophetic book, there's always a corner that's turned. There is the repent for you've gone the wrong way. And then it's all the judgments that will come if you don't repent. And then there's always a turning point in the last bit. Sometimes it's the last verse if you're in Amos. And it says, now God will restore so this is all going to happen, but God's grace is so good that he doesn't leave people in broken places. He says he's going to restore. So in Ezekiel, it took him 33 and a half chapters to get there. And then in Ezekiel 34, he starts laying out the symptoms or the, the, the reasons why they find themselves in the broken places that they're in now. Remember, he goes back and he said, this is everything that's wrong. This is your sickness. Now, what led to it? In Ezekiel 34, it's you followed the wrong shepherds. You had shepherds in your life. You had shepherds that you took the wrong way. You stopped following the ways of Yahweh. You said that God is not your shepherd anymore. In fact, you're going to follow other things. And so he points out the root causes to what led them to this place of exile in the first place. They followed the wrong shepherd. So today I want to take the opportunity as we're here to look at the three things that we have an opportunity to follow as our shepherds. In your bulletins, you'll see three things. You'll see three people. I, or you'll see you, as in us. You'll see they, as in other things. And then you'll see the word I. And so as we look at this, uh, we all need to admit that we're being led by something. The question is, who is leading you? And what are they leading you to or towards? Is it the 24-hour news cycle that leads most of us to anxiety and being on edge and more and more division? Is it our bosses and role models who leave us with ulterior motives? Is it ourselves and we're led by emotions and motives, needs, pride, desires, image, status, bank accounts, all these things that tend to lead us? And for some of us, all the things that get us out of bed every day, these are what is leading us. They lead us out of the house, and oftentimes, whether it's any of those, it leads to more disappointment and more hurt. And so, the first shepherd that we have an opportunity to follow is you, it's ourselves. We say things in our society as like, follow your dreams, you do you, live your truth. All of these nice little catchphrases, you are enough, and there's a row of books at Barnes & Noble. I went and checked on all of these things on how you can be a better you. All of them pointing to the subtle idea that you don't need a shepherd that you could find all the answers within yourself. And it's true, some of these things are great. We are free agents. We're free willed to do whatever we choose, but we're also free willed to follow whoever we want to follow. Some of these books are telling us really great, good things, but they don't make great guides. Some of them are telling us good motivations, but motivations don't always lead to the best results. How many of you have done something out of a good intention and it just fouled up halfway through? I did that this week. I tried to do something nice for Carrie, and I screwed it all up, and it ended up bad. If my motivations were great, it would have been awesome, but the results, terrible. Motivations are good, good things to get you going, but motivations aren't great leaders. Self-reliance is something that we all want to have. However, part of self-reliance is being aware of where your limits are. In Ezekiel 33, uh, Ezekiel's turned the corner in 33, he points out how people themselves have gone astray, how they've had the best of intentions, as people usually do, but they end up following their own ways. If you look at uh, Ezekiel 33, 31, and 32, if you have your app, click over. It says this, My people come to you, as they usually do, and sit before you and hear your words, but they did not put those words into practice. Their mouths speak of love, Their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put any of them into practice. Look, God says, look, those people are serving themselves. When you're left to your own devices, you will serve themselves, yourself, and you will ignore the truth that's right in front of you. Our hearts naturally bend towards greed. We act loving, but the only thing is that when our hearts bend certain ways, when we give way to ourselves, it's for unjust gain. God said, the people have followed themselves, and they've ceased to put their God's word into practice. You might be a capable individual. You might be well-achieving individuals. But we are not great shepherds of ourselves. We tend to get lost when left to our own devices. I'll speak for myself and why I'm not a good shepherd. Uh, I have mood swings Uh, that sometimes I can't control. Yesterday I was in a pretty sour mood all day long. No idea why. It's just the way it went. I have a capability to mess up relationships. I'm sometimes not at peace with everyone. And it's a matter of time before I probably upset you. So just hold on. It's just the way it goes. Uh, I have multiple and compounding irrational fears. Sometimes I fear things that are going very well. Like, why is it going so well? This shouldn't be. There should be a problem. I make mistakes, and I need forgiveness. I've lied, and I've probably lied about lying. This is why I'm not a good shepherd. Can any of you join me in those? Yet here we are with our culture that stands around us and says, you can shepherd your own self. You're good enough to lead yourself. But how has that been working? Self-reliance is a great, great asset to have in your life. But self-reliance is an awful shepherd. David wrote Psalm 23 in the first three words, the Lord is my shepherd. Four words. I'm good at math too. Add that to the list describe is the thesis for everything the first two words the lord and everything else describes the answer of the lord he says yahweh is my shepherd and everything falls into line on how good yahweh is but if we were to rewrite the psalm in our own words it might read something like this i found this this week i am my own shepherd and if i am my own shepherd i am always in need I stumble from mall to mall and therapist to therapist, seeking relief, but I never find it. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'll fall apart. I fear everything from downed power lines to pesticides, and I'm starting to act like my mom. I go to weekly staff meetings, and I'm surrounded by my enemies. I go home, and my goldfish and my dog give me dirty looks. I anoint my head with Tylenol. My Jack Daniels runneth over. Surely misery and misfortune will follow me and I will live in the house of self-doubt the rest of my life. When you are your own shepherd, this is the end result. When you think that you can handle everything by yourself, what ends up happening is we come to the end of ourselves and we're more and more disappointed. We think we're getting results, but we're actually going backwards. Jesus has this conversation with the woman at John 4 and he's having this conversation with her at the well. She's in charge of her own life. If you look closely at the way she's saying things, she had her theology right. She had her pattern down. She knew when to go to the well. She had everything worked out, but it really wasn't working for her. And Jesus points it out. She comes face to face with Jesus and, she said, and he says to her, it's a cold day, it's a hot day. You're still thirsty and you're gonna drink all this water and you're going to be thirsty again. You're following your own desires. You're following your own self and how's that working for you? And Jesus says subtly in Brad's version it's not. Follow me Jesus says. Allow me to be your shepherd and you'll never thirst again. Perhaps that's something like you. You've done so much on your own and each time you've come up worse than before. Because the well of yourself has gone dry. Maybe it's polluted and you need res- r- refreshment. Just like Jesus said to the woman on that day, put down your pots And fill them with me. Fill yourself with me. You won't need those anymore. Self-reliance. You, sorry to break it to you, do not make a great shepherd of your life. We need a better one. If it's not you, it's other people. And so it's the they. They will guide me. Other people will guide me. In Ezekiel 34, it says again, the verse 2 verses, The shepherds of Israel... They prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord said, You only take care of yourself. Should not the shepherds take care of the whole flock? Other people will only watch out for other people. Now, some context with this. You can look at this word shepherd in Hebrew, it's the word ka'al. It it, it can mean we look at this and sometimes think it's it's just pastors and priests. But the surrounding culture, if you look at what shepherds were, they weren't just priests, they were those who were in charge. They were the kings. They were called shepherds. City council members were called shepherds. Any person who is in charge of guiding and directing people were called shepherds. In the first 10 verses of Ezekiel 34, he's addressing the leaders of Israel, the kings of Israel, who have ruled throughout the kingdom, especially in these last days that he's experienced it. The people of Israel had put their trust in the kings in their rulers and they started following them instead of following God. They'll be my shepherd. I'll do whatever they say. And it's not a recent thing that just happened in Ezekiel's time. This goes back to 1 Samuel with the very first king of Saul. Ezekiel Samuel goes and the people say to Samuel, "We don't want you to be our leader anymore." Back then, the nation was led by a high priest. Samuel was the high priest. His sons messed up. So it was just Samuel. And they said, Sammy, you're getting old. We'd like someone else to be in charge. And Samuel says, You're going to regret having a king. And so in First Samuel 8, uh, he, he goes to God and says, But when they said, Give us the king to lead this, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen, to all that the people are saying to you it's not you they've rejected but they rejected me as their king as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day they've forsaken me and they've served other gods so, th- so they're doing the same to you now listen to them but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as their rights up until this point God led Israel he was in charge he led them through the high priest kind of guided them directed them and the people had the option whether they were going to do it or not whether they were going to follow or not but at this point they said we don't we want to be led by a king samuel we don't want god to be our shepherd anymore But with their request came a great warning. Sure, God says, allow the king to be your shepherd. And he continues and he goes on pretty detailed of what's going to happen. You're going to have war. Your sons are going to fight and die. Your daughters will be sold off. He'll take your land. He'll take your money. And you will become his slaves. This is what happens when we let other people lead. They just pillage everything and they take over. You want the government, he says, to be your shepherd. And that's what you'll get. This won't work out too well. And that's exactly what they got. Back in Ezekiel 34, uh, verse 3, he says, this is what's happened. You eat the curds, governments, shepherds. You eat the curds. You clothe yourself in wool. You slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of your flock. Sound familiar? It sounds like the warning in Samuel 9. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost, but you have ruled them harshly and brutally. That phrase, you have ruled them harshly and brutally, is almost verbatim of something that was said in Exodus. Everything goes back to Exodus. I'll say it every week. In Exodus, the people of Israel were ruled by Pharaoh who ruled them harshly and brutally. It's a little nod to Ezekiel to say tell them that because they led they followed the other people they found themselves back in the same situation of Egypt where they're being led harshly and brutally. It says in verse 6 my sheep wandered all over the mountain on every high hill they were scattered all over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Government and authority might be good for making policy but they were never intended to be our shepherds. However, if you dare to have a conversation with anyone about government, you'll always hear these hints that we still put a lot of hope and trust in our government. If we just get this person elected in this election, then we'll be better. If, if we get this person voted out, then everything will be back to normal. Have we heard that lately? Yes. Yes. We, what we need are more new laws. What we need is a morally upright person who will be in charge. Vote this party, vote for this initiative and that proposition. And on and on it goes. Yet here's the problem there's nothing wrong with being politically aware, but the moment that those politics and government become your hope for a better tomorrow, guess who you're following? You're not following the Good Shepherd, you're following government, regardless of what party. They have become your shepherd. And there's no hope in that. There's the warning in Samuel. There's the result in Ezekiel. If it's not the government who's doing the shepherd, sometimes uh, the word shepherd is also termed of religion. Sometimes people put their hope in rules of religion that included these priests. Sometimes they say, well, the priests are in charge. They'll tell me everything to do right. I'll just follow them. The problem is you're following a priest. You're not following the shepherd. If we if we just obey these set of laws, is what the priest would say. If you just obey these ones, you'll be okay. But if your hope is in laws, if you just pray enough, if you just fast enough, if you just are holy enough, if you're give good enough, then you'll be blessed and then you'll be pleased. But in this way, the priests actually led people astray. They took them down the wrong path of wrong motives. And took them to places and, and all done in a, in a good way and things that looked good, but they were far away from what God had intended. They looked at the 613 laws of the Torah to say, This is our shepherd. And they became so fixated with law keeping that they missed what the law was trying to say. The laws were good. The law served a purpose of setting Israel apart. The laws were God's source of wisdom and justice, but the laws were never adequate enough to complete or guide or give the new human race out of their broken condition. So they showed us how to live in obedience in God, but they never really were meant to be our shepherd. According to their standards, if they followed the law, they were living biblically. But the law caused them to absolutely miss Jesus when Jesus was right in front of their face. You remember the story? It's like every single one of the miracles. Jesus does something awesome. Uh, he puts mud on a dude's eye. He heals a woman just by having her touch his cloak. All of these things. And what do the religion, religious leaders of the day do? They completely miss the miracle and go, you broke a law. And if I'm Jesus, I'm like, yeah, but that dude can see now. So tell me, which one's different? Which one's better? The law kept them from seeing Jesus. They had their rules, and their rules was the guide. But sometimes our rules and religion can get in the way of us seeing Christ himself. The laws were meant to point us to a greater shepherd. The law, as Paul says in Romans, it was ex- exposed us to the greater problem, that this isn't enough. The law was never meant to be upheld by us. It all pointed to Jesus. And it happens today. If we pray harder, if we worship more, if we read the Bible more, if we don't get drunk, if we don't smoke, if we never dance, don't watch R-rated movies and some PG-13 movies. I grew up and I couldn't go to the theater because it, it was the cinema and it said sin Emma And so uh, that that way the theater was bad. If we don't go to movies, then Then we'll be holy. Then we'll have the right. If I just follow these rules, I'll be on the right path. But what happens? The same thing that happened in Israel. You're so focused on doing that you miss the grace of being next to the Savior. And you miss Jesus. We're so weighed down with obligation and guilt that we never experience the freedom and peace that Jesus offers. That's why Jesus tells the parable in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, or not the parable, but the application point. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, on you. Learn from me, for I am gentle. I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. A yoke had two meanings. A yoke is what tied the oxen together when they were doing their plowing, but a yoke is also what a rabbi would say if you wanted to follow the rabbi. You'd say, I want to follow you. The rabbi would say, here's my yoke. This is what you'll do in order to follow me. And it was a list of things, very difficult things in order to keep up. Jesus says, look, the yoke that I'm offering you is easy. It's light. Follow me and you'll find rest. you'll, You'll find me. You won't find more rules. You'll find grace. Jesus was different. He says, follow me, you'll find rest. You aren't a good shepherd. They aren't a good shepherd. But watch what Ezekiel does. He goes through this whole chapter and says, this is how they messed up. And then he gets to the last half of it. And he says this, he says, I will. And if you count the I wills, you'll come up to from about 19 to 21 of them, depending on your translation. 19 statements, let's say 20, we'll just split the difference. 20 statements right there that says everything that God will do. I will, I will, I will. For this is what the sovereign Lord says in uh, Ezekiel 34, 11 through 12. I myself will, there's another one. For my, I will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. For this reason it starts out with. For what's the reason? Because everywhere else they can think of is filled with terrible, terrible shepherds. The first half shows why the people got there. The second half says, You don't have to stay like this. In fact, here's the good shepherd. I will search. And if you look down the last half of Ezekiel 34, I will search. I will bind. I will destroy the wicked. I will shepherd you. I will judge the wicked. We don't have to carry the burden of judging anymore. I will save. I will place you in a place of peace. I will make peace. I will bless. I will provide. I will care. And on and on it goes. All of this points to this part, that the presence of the good shepherd is supposed to take away the fear that we have in the worst of situations. It ends in verse 16, or this statement comes in verse 16. I will search for the lost, and I will bring back the strays, and I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Why? Because this is what good shepherds do. They care for the sheep. They rule with justice. It's a metaphor Ezekiel is doing that points right straight to Jesus. If you can't see Jesus in this chapter, you're in the wrong chapter because it's all right here. It's a parable in Matthew 18. It's also repeated in Luke 15, which he provides a powerful sustaining image of this divine mercy of what Jesus had towards the lost. Then again, it says that in Matthew 10 and in Matthew 15, Jesus himself sends the, sends the disciples as sheep, to go find the other lost sheep. This is a picture of Jesus. There are more hints of this in the book of John. Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. I, of all of these, I'm sure of all of these, this would have been thought of when you read, when they would have read Ezekiel or listened to Jesus. He's talking about himself. He's bringing in Ezekiel here. This is what they would have said. John 10 tells us that good shepherds, according to Ezekiel and Jesus, walk ahead of their sheep, they, they walk ahead to eliminate danger. Good shepherds know with their sheep individually so much that the sheep will recognize their voice and they'll listen. Good shepherds defend from attack even at the risk of their own injury or death. Ezekiel 34 is looking forward to a day when every other shepherd that we follow fails us but we finally begin to rely on the good shepherd who is always still beside of us. We don't need to fall victim to the trap of a lesser shepherd because you and I have the best one. And it doesn't change. Any The one that doesn't change is our shepherd, the one who is always near. Others that we follow might comfort us for a minute, but in the middle of our storms, those other ones will fail. Our shepherd can calm a storm. Other shepherds might hold our hands during death, but our shepherd beat death. Other shepherds might debate the meaning of life, but our shepherd gave us meaning for life. Or put this in another way, we don't need to carry the burden of a lesser shepherd. We, don't, we need a shepherd who can place a billion stars in the galaxy and a hundred billion galaxies in the universe. We need a God who can shape two fists of flesh into a, a into hundred billion nerve cells with 10,000 connections and call it a brain and put it in a skull. This is the shepherd we need. We need a shepherd who is so mighty and strong, but calm and gentle as snow. The shepherd we need, according to David, says the Lord is our shepherd. And if we would follow him, how does the Psalms begin after that? I have everything I need. When the Lord is your shepherd, when the Lord is your guide and others go away, you have everything you need. You are not in want. Some of us have that psalm memorized. What else does it say? You lie down in green pastures. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He restores. He heals. He puts oil on your head. All of these things, and surely goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Why? Because the Lord is, is your shepherd. In Revelation 7 it says this about the shepherd. It says this in verse 16. Never again will they hunger. This is towards the end when Jesus is in charge, the shepherd is there. Never again will they hunger. Hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of water and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Could you need a different shepherd today? Is there something that you've been following for some time and it's just not working? It's just ending up you bumping your head into the wall. Might you need a different guide? Are you tired of relying on other people who always seem to fail you, who will always disappoint you? And the new person that you think you're going to follow, they'll disappoint you too. Are you tired of relying on yourself? Getting lost? It's time for a new shepherd. And we have the best one available. So today, would you be willing to stop following the cheap imitation shepherds and begin to follow the good one? The one who will restore the one who will, the one who will never abandon, the one who will never leave, the one who is constant, the one who never changes, the one who is always looking out for the best for you and those around you. Would you pray with me? God, you are our shepherd, and we thank you that we could say that about you, that in the middle of our storms, we can look at you and you bring peace to the waves like you did in Mark. Everyone else is freaking out about drowning and you are sleeping. And all you stand up, all you do is stand up to the waves and say, peace be still. Lord, you are a good shepherd. God, may we begin to follow you instead of the other voices that come into our lives. May we see the fallacies of other shepherds, of lesser gods, and may we follow the one made us the one who loves us unconditionally and put down the burden of the lessers for it's in your name we pray